Thank you for tuning into the VF1 show with VF and Vincenzo, the podcast that discusses all things business, marketing, politics, and government within the world of Formula One. If that's your thing, then you found the right place. So without further ado, it's lights out and away we go. Welcome back to the VF1 show. I'm Vincenzo Landino. And with me, as always, is my co-host, VF. How are you, V? I'm good. You know, I say I'm good every week because I, I truly do. am good. Um, good. But I am not good when there isn't racing on that weekend. <laughs> it's, that's just when I feel I feel just emotionally like detached. I'm like, what? I'm supposed to be watching free practice right now. What is happening in the world? Anyway, thank you for being my therapist. How are you? <laughs> uh, I, I'm on the flip side of that. I am. I'm okay when there isn't a formula one race on uh for the week because it gives me opportunity to watch other motorsports and i've been enjoying it's probably because my team is not doing very well this year that i'm less interested right like i don't it's like oh great another week to watch uh, a strategy blunder or something wrong with Charles's car again, or some excuse as to why somebody isn't, uh, you know, doing something that they should be. Um, so yeah, maybe that's why I'm just less excited. I mean, if I'm a Mercedes fan like yourself, I'm probably a little more excited to watch what's going on because there's a lot more promise. You know, this is pretty much like a new project now at this point with the car. Yeah. So, but you know, yeah, I, I, I can you get know it. what, though? I genuinely feel like, yes, I'm a Mercedes fan. Love Mercedes, ride or die, LH. But as a true F1 fan, especially as a content creator, I mm-hmm. appreciate the hell out of every team, every driver. Like, it's just like, how could you not, you know, at this point? Yeah, and people are kind of more partial to other drivers than, you know, in other teams. But it's just, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing when, like, you kind of realize that the drama on the grid that is portrayed isn't actually really in existence. It's just kind of there for theatrics and that there's a tremendous amount of respect on the grid, that they're all there. They're all trying to do a job. They're all trying to keep their jobs. And... You know, it's it's knowing that you're working towards such a a, a, a massive goal every year. I mean, my 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 yeah. credit to every driver, every team, all the personnel because this is hard. Hard, hard is an understatement, hard, yeah, right? Like exactly. Um, so, you know, and I understand your your issues with Ferrari. I mean, that that's God, that's got to be tough. It's like having yeah, that much money, you know. having that big of a brand behind you and yet it's like every single weekend it seems like there's the um there's the meme it was just an incident mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and it's like yeah, it always seems to be just an how incident. many incidents are they gonna have before they get it right uh, i mean they're just they don't ever they don't ever stop they don't ever stop the incidents just keep coming and that's kind of where i'm at with my fandom of this yeah. team you know whatever I, listen i enjoy it i'm always gonna enjoy it I just uh, I'd like to have some. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen anything successful since two thousand seven, eight. Um, yeah. 
but it you know yeah it does make it makes things a little bit boring but but there's there's plenty of interesting stuff to talk about and i know today we're talking about uh i think the big news on everybody's mind this week daniel ricardo he is headed to alpha tauri and he he's got himself a full-time seat for at least the rest of the season uh the stroll wedding chloe stroll lance's sister married australian i think he's a snowboarder Mm -hmm something like that. Scotty James, they got married in Venice last month or two months ago, whatever it was. But something went down at that wedding. Uh, Major implications across the sporting world, which we'll talk about. Uh, Andretti is backtracking on a lot of his early comments as we get a little bit closer to a decision from the FIA or from F1 on um, the team's that are potentially, maybe, going to get a new spot. Uh, as you know, Andretti, High Tech, Carlin, Formula Equal, and Lucky Sons have all applied. We'll see who gets that application or who gets approved, if anyone gets approved. Um, and then F1, I know Stefano Domenicali touted some new Grand Slam idea. We'll talk a little bit about that because... You know, let's just keep making things more interesting for the fans, right? Um, yeah. That seems to be what what the uh, the mo is currently. But I, I think we need to lead off with uh, the stroll wedding. I think that is yeah the one we should lead with. Um, so Chloe Stroll, she got married in Venice. Beautiful wedding. All these people were there. Um, apparently, there were um, folks from the PGA. This is non-F1, I guess, related, but really interesting related, how all of this stuff just comes together. Uh, there was, the, from the PGA and the governor of the Saudi Public Investment Fund uh, was also there or i don't know if the governor was there but i know that somebody there there were there were folks there in attendance and they met with one another at the wedding so there was pga representative live representatives there at the wedding after that meeting goes down we get this live golf and pga tour decide they're going to come together and their legal fight and they're going to merge and create a different entity all because of Lawrence Stroll's position, I, I guess. I mean, th- that's pretty much what uh, I think it is. But, and I know you're going to go into this, so I'm gonna, I'll kind of toss it over to you. Formula One has a, you know, is very closely tied with Saudi Arabia. Not only do they race there, but Aramco is is one of uh, the major sponsors of Formula One and the Aston. Are they the Aston Martin team sponsor Aramco? Mm-hmm. They are this year, right? Cognizant Aramco. Um, and so there's a lot of ties there, especially for you know Lawrence Stroll. He's got a lot of connections. He's got a lot of pull. Let's bring this together. They make some things happen. Throwing his weight around, and uh, and something came of this. And obviously, like I said, the Formula One tie-in and connections 
um, are are clearly clearly what um, I I think what brought it all together, what made it work out. One can only imagine what was said, and you know what the folks, the F one folks that were in attendance at this wedding were telling, you know, PGA representatives like. Hey, you got to get involved with these guys. They've got money. They've got X, Y, Z resources, whatever. Um, I don't know. There's probably it's probably way more than that, which is why you're here because <laughs> I'm, you probably have a different side or insight on the implicate. I mean, like, what are how does this all work? I think obviously without being in in the room in any of these meetings, and so much of what we're hearing is rumor speculation. But I think we can still kind of put, you know, put some things together with that. Um, the person who was there, uh, Yasir Al-Rumayan, uh, I believe, uh, is the Aramco chairperson. So obviously, like you just said, um, Aston Martin, Cognizant Aramco, or however it's said, um, so we know that there's that tie there. We know that uh, that Aston Martin has ties with Aramco. We know that Formula One has ties with Aramco. I mean, the ties in oil run deep with with in, in the F1 world. We know that. That's nothing new. But I think the biggest takeaway that people are maybe starting to talk about now as they're starting to realize what exactly uh, was involved in that deal and who was involved in that deal and, and the fact that they did it so under the radar uh, was that, I mean, you can call it what it is. Saudi Public Investment Fund, they bought golf. And I think it was Andrew Brandt who said that uh, the best. And it's, you have to wonder how many of these other entities are for sale and why and, and what's the controlling interest here. We know that the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, they also tried allegedly to buy Formula One for a hefty, hefty price tag. And so you know that Saudi Arabia is trying to get its tentacles really, really deep into Formula One. They've even changed their own laws in their own country to, to reflect more you know, uh, encouragement for people to travel there, again, removing, uh, getting rid of compulsory hijab, that was a big one. So I think right now, and the fact that they're also involving a lot of women in these upper level roles within all this development, especially in Riyadh, you have to think that Saudi Arabia is trying to gear itself up for major ties to all these different countries to, you know, in, in the world of sport. And we all know that it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. We all speak sport. We all have that same passion, that same drive, desire to, to root for our teams, to, to buy merchandise. To, we all have that in common. That's why there's the World Cup. That's why people get so invested in the World Cup. People who don't even follow soccer uh, get invested in that because it's truly, it's, it's like the Olympics of soccer. And so I think we have to maybe consider also at some point what Saudi Arabia or what the potential for the Saudi public investment fund is going to be in terms of getting involved in other sports that are global, like soccer, for example. So I don't know. I think that what this 
what this says is that we know that Formula One is right now the, I think it's still the fastest growing sport in the world. And so many people want to be involved in it. And the fact that they're using uh, for an F1 team or an owner for an F1 team rather can, can get two of the most powerful people in these two respective uh, leagues, essentially, to talk in such a closed setting without anybody realizing it, it's happening. And then suddenly you announce this massive merger that most of the golfers in the PGA Tour didn't even know about. I think that is pretty telling about the power that Formula One has over the really of the world right now. Yeah. So you said something there that kind of triggered a thought in my mind and I was trying to process it in my head, but also Formula One, much like, you know, world football, they're already very well versed in this global politics game, this international, um, the international sponsorship, international, you know, again, I say politics arena right they're in it every day formula one teams have sponsors and have partners from all over the world on you know any given team even the smallest teams have global partners so they're very very well versed in having these types of conversations not to say that jay monahan of the pga tour or the pga tour has no idea how to how to do that kind of stuff at all uh, it's it's i i think there's definitely something to be said though for the fact that when you are in that world constantly and you've made relationships because you you know you have to all of the time um you're able to act as a catalyst and i think it's just really cool to see that you know whether or not this is a formula one this is not like a formula one story by any stretch but i still think it's really cool to see that you know hey someone that's primarily known for their formula one involvement is is making other things happen um good bad or indifferent i know some people are not fans of of you know uh sport washing and whatnot that they're accusing saudi arabia of and and listen i think that's neither here nor there for the sake of this conversation i think that it's um it's, it's kind of a reality at this point that uh, the, the the Saudi investment fund is making inroads. They are making a bigger attempt at, uh, you know, being involved in the sporting world, the global sporting world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, it is fascinating. I mean, at, at however you look at it, whatever way you want to chop this one up, it's, it's still very, very, um, interesting. And like, does this kind of stuff happen? You know, it, Formula One, we already know is known as kind of this like elitist and you've got these powerful people that come to, you know, that go to the events and whatnot. And like, to me, this just goes to show like, hey, look, th- there's a pretty, you can, you can make things happen with Formula One folks. Like they know how to make things happen. Right, like they're clearly the ones that can get things done. You need something done. These Formula One guys, man, they're involved with all this global stuff. They they can they can help you get something done. Now, again, I have no idea what the actual 
conversations were how involved was Lauren Stroll in conversations? Probably yeah. not. Maybe just, but acting as a catalyst is still pretty interesting yeah. to I me. I mean, and you think about it too. And we know for a fact there's three billionaires who were in that room. We know that Toto Wolf was there. Uh, we know that this. Mm-hmm. Um, the gentleman from the yeah, investment exactly. fund, yeah. Um, and then Lauren Stroll. So we already know there's mm-hmm. three billionaires in the room. And we know that there's an incredible. At, at least le- Exactly. At least three. Um, at the mm-hmm. bare minimum three. And. We know that there was that was a an event with tremendous influence, and yeah, to your point, yeah. if people want things done now, you you follow the money. Unfortunately, you follow the Saudi money in some cases, and you're likely to find what you're looking for. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to find out if we hear another story rumor that f1 players were involved in potentially another brokering another whether it was brokering another deal or introducing people or getting people in the same room to talk um at a at an unrelated event well think about this too like lawrence stroll hey uh aramco or what uh, you know saudi investment folks hey you really want this pga deal to happen huh yeah we really do why don't you come to my daughter's yeah. wedding We'll make something happen. I mean, now does Lawrence Stroll have a com- like an bl- a blank check from the investment mm-hmm. fund from or, yeah. like, hey, we made I made this happen for you. I made I brought this these players to the conver- to the table. Let's go. Like, that's worth something to Lawrence Stroll. You can't you can't tell me that it's not right. So yeah. well, I did hear those are I did hear that Lawrence Stroll invited Yassir Al Ramayan directly. Mm-hmm. So that was his mm-hmm. guest to the wedding. Yep. So. Yep. Exactly. So you know, I mean, you know that 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 invite comes with a price, yeah. right? There's there's something there. Yeah, I need something. I need something in return. Yeah. And you wonder. You know, you I wonder what that is. <laughs> oh, it, I mean, listen, money, money for the car, right? Like money for. Uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, oh, he also maybe. It has to do with you know Aston Martin itself. I mean, we there's so many possibilities, but I think it's just again, it's just so cool and interesting yeah. to me. Um, another interesting story. I don't know how interesting this is because I think we a lot of us knew this was coming, but Daniel Ricardo officially was announced as uh, the other driver for Alpha Tauri. He replaces with immediate effect. Nick DeVries, which is not at all surprising by looking at his um, uh, performance this yeah. season. Nick DeVries is not a young driver, although he is a Formula One rookie. Uh, Nick DeVries has a lot of experience. He's a Formula E champion. Nick DeVries is 28, uh, which... If you put it, want to put it into perspective, Max Verstappen is 25. So Nick DeVries is 28. It's his first season in Formula One. He was given a very short leash. Very short. Ten races in, they cut him out. There was comments that came out, you know, last week or maybe it was a couple weeks ago. Helmut Marko was, was interviewed and he straight up, someone asked him, like, do you and Christian Horner disagree on things? And he said, yes, we do. And they were like, well, what's the most recent thing you disagreed on? And he's like, we both we disagreed on, on Nick DeVries. <laughs> and it turns out Christian was right. 
So Hel- it sounds like Helmet really pushed for Nick. Christian was not a fan, but Helmet's got to say clearly, and um, and and Christian Horner was right according to uh, Doctor Marco about the fate or about what they were going to get out of Nick DeVries. So Nick's gone. Honey Badger's back. He's back in a big way. And I mean, first of all, the reception to him being in a full-time seat has been nothing short of overwhelming. I mean, you've got everybody talking about it. You know, the on social media, loving that Daniel Ricardo's back. But even F one really, like they jumped onto it. I mean, they know how marketable Danny Rick yeah. is. They know that he's probably if he's not the most marketable person, especially in the uh in in the markets that they're trying to go after, which is the US, he's definitely the most popular driver in the US. E- even with Lewis around, he's I think he still yeah. is. Um Yeah. They they know what they're going after. Yeah. You have to kind of put everything into perspective, though. DeVries had zero points this season. Yuki has two. And that AlphaTauri car, there's there's no debating that it is the oh, that worst water. Yeah. car on the grid, uh, which is crazy yeah, because, 100%. you know, we've having this conversation about does the cap actually impact performance um, or does it suppress it? And, you know, we've seen what Williams has been able to do this year. I mean, that's been, that's been impressive. And even McLaren, they have a Mm -hmm. completely new car than what they had. And we're not saying that McLaren was poor by any stretch. They weren't, it was just kind of a misuse of funds, I guess, in developing the car that was, that we saw um, at testing. And, so, you know, even even with Mercedes, it's a night and day difference. And so when you talk about actual development of the car, what has AlphaTauri really done this season to develop that car? Uh, it doesn't really seem like they're investing a lot. And I think that is why you have so many people saying, is AlphaTauri just, just, you know, giving cover to Red Bull and you know, are they developing some of the elements on the Red Bull car that they're not implementing on the AlphaTauri? And so I think it does give some legs to, I mean, I know we don't like to talk about conspiracy theories and we don't like to give much credit to them, but that does give that conspiracy <laughs> theory legs, unfortunately. Um, you know, because like yeah. I said, every other team seems to be getting so at least somewhat better and AlphaTauri just seems to be getting worse. Um, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. I think that this is kind of where... They're in there's there's two different predicaments I see right now. Is Red Bull right now using this situation to gauge Yuki's future with the team? Uh, we know that they're going through a major rebrand next year. We know that we don't really know what the future is for Alphatari. Um, but also, would Daniel Ricardo have been in a more advantageous situation to come back in 2024 than to come back halfway, not even halfway through uh, the 2023 season? Because um, I think right now what hmm. this does is if Ricardo doesn't get the results, this could be the end of his career. Because if he doesn't get those results, we know he, I mean, obviously the AlphaTauri is night and day different than, than the RB19. And he yep. was great uh, at Silverstone, according to Christian Horner, 
in the uh, in the RB19. His his times would have qualified. I think he said uh, front row at the British Grand Prix. And so, but we know that's such a different car. I think anyone could get sure. in the RB19 and just have a flawless drive if they if they you know understood how to use the power of that car. Um, mm. And so. I, I don't know. Do we have such a high expectation of him? Because we know he's won in a McLaren. That was good. We know he's won in a Red Bull. That was good. We know he's won in a Renault. That was good. Um, we we don't... I think that our expectations of Daniel Ricciardo to turn the ship around at AlphaTauri this season are are way, 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 way too high. Um, I, I actually don't think the expectations, at least for me, the expectations are not to turn anything around, right? Like, there's... The car is trash. Everyone knows it, right? Th- they know it. Um, I actually think it is ad- advantageous for him to almost step into a situation. There's zero pressure, right? If you start a season from the beginning, you've got that pressure all season long to maintain it, much like DeVries did. Um, you don't have to. There's nothing that he has to really do other than drive the car. And like, if the car is bad, which we know it is, it's very easy for him to be like, I can't drive. Like, this car is not doing what I want to do. Uh, like, it's, and no one's going to think anything less of him. Yeah. I, at least for me, in my opinion. Um, realistically, he just needs to, I mean, he could probably get that thing. You know, fifteenth, maybe get into a couple Q twos. Uh, you know, and and that would be exciting, right? Like, f- forget about if he gets into a Q three and gets some points out of that car, right? So it's like for me, it's an he can only win uh, versus starting fresh, brand new, you know, brand new season. Um, but. I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it is really um, a testament to Red Bull's culture. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I, I'll address, I think, you know, I think we could, we could address the conspiracies too, but I think it is testament to their culture. I mean, they are just, that is whether it's Red Bull or whether it's AlphaTauri or whoever, it is all about Max Verstappen, right? So there's definitely, You'd have to think that right now Sergio Perez is on the hot seat as well, all the more so, you know, moving Daniel into a position where he gets to drive now. He's not just the third driver over there. Now he's actually going to be driving a car, which is important for his his own growth, right? He needs to have that. You can't just be out of the sport for a year or two and then come back and just expect him to just sit in the car and perform. If let's say he was to go to Red Bull. Yeah. Um, but also there's, you know, there's the rumor that, that Yuki is p- being primed for that second seat at Red Bull, but I, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Yeah. I, I don't see that being the case. Um, yeah. So there's, listen, I think there's so many things to look at. There's so many opportunities for Daniel to just, do well now everything is a win um the marketing aspect of it is is definitely a win yeah right he's gonna make people are gonna actually pay attention i mean i i saw a bunch of comments even on the 
you know, like the Instagram accounts, like, hey, Alpha Tower, when are you going to come out with Daniel Ricardo stuff? Like, oh, I want Daniel Ricardo merch. Yeah. You know, there was tons of comments like that. And so you think like, okay, well, there's an easy win. That's a big win for, for Red Bull or Alpha Tower. They're going to have to sell a bunch of merch. Daniel Ricardo stuff. Um, he's going to be racing in two of his clearly favorite places in the world, Vegas and Austin. Like he loves <laughs> the U.S. So that's those are going to be Daniel Ricardo, you know, festivals in and of themselves. You know, those those are things we weren't going to get this year if he wasn't in a car. So I think F1 as a whole and Red Bull and and obviously Alpha Tauri. They win just by having Daniel Ricardo in a seat. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you win or not at this point because first of all, it doesn't it, you're, you're not going to do anything. Like that car is not going to do anything. Um. So yeah. So I'm I'm all for it on the positive side. On the conspiracy side, like you brought up, it does. It, it is uh, one of those things you I think you have to think about. Like, is Red Bull just using AlphaTauri to develop different parts that they're not developing? I don't know how all that works. In terms of, you know, how are they sharing that information? Because I thought there was some pretty strict rules around that kind of stuff as well. But I yeah. I, I don't know who the hell yeah. knows. Well, I, I have heard a rumor from a few people actually that um, Sergio Perez will be replaced at the end of 2023. I've heard that it's a done deal. And yeah, I mean... Like in direct quotes, the decision has been made. So obviously we've also heard emerging that Lando Norris uh, could be a front runner for that Red Bull seat. Obviously. I mean, there's also rumored that Lando's got a pre-contract exactly, with Ferrari. Exactly. So. so it's you've got to kind of take that with a grain of salt, take that very lightly. Uh, Norris has signed to McLaren through the end of 2025 anyway. And I think with the developments that McLaren has been making, obviously that would, I think, be a lateral move at this point. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know what this means for who could potentially replace Perez if that rumor is actually true. I, I think it, I think that Daniel Ricardo could be a front runner. I don't see them if he has a a pretty solid result in that AlphaTauri this season, because call it what it is, he is a good driver. I think he got rattled maybe last season. Something wasn't clicking. Uh, something was off. And but we know we know what he's capable of doing. And so I think if if we sure. see him actually having, um, especially having better results than Yuki this the, for the rest of the season in that car, I think he could absolutely emerge as a front runner for that second Red Bull seat. And I think from a marketing perspective, Red Bull knows that that would, that would be the best thing they could do. Get the band back together. Mm -hmm. There's so much marketability in that. So I don't know, but then again, remembering that, that the camaraderie, everything right now is good between Max and Daniel, but also remembering how things, how things kind of were left when Daniel went to Renault. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the competition is going. You've got to be think there. that there's. Oh yeah, for sure. You've got to think that there's. That's that's weighing on the back of everyone's yeah. mind, right? Like, oh, this would be kind of cool for Daniel to be be the number two driver again, but is this really gonna yeah. work? You know, nothing really works with with Max. Yeah. 
How far um, are they going to push each other and what's it going to cost in damages? That, yeah. that has to be what they're thinking it, right now. It's a fun story. I mean, I think it's a fun story. I'm glad. I'm Listen, I'm yeah. glad he's back. Good for him. Like, get yours. He's, I mean, think about it. He's still collecting that McLaren money from or, – or he did collect the you know, nice fat paycheck from McLaren. Um, good yeah. for him. Good for him. Go for it. He's such a likable guy. It's hard to, it's hard to be like, oh, I don't want you to succeed. Nah, dude, get yours. You you deserve it at this point. Yeah. Go for it. You know. Hopefully, hopefully the the, the time away um, helped gain some of that passion that maybe he did yeah. lose, or maybe he was like dis- discouraged and disheartened. Um, Maybe what happened with him mentally was he left Red Bull because he he wanted to he wanted to be driver number one. Let's call it what it is. He was tired of having to compete with Max. He felt like Max was probably getting the better um, better setup, the better direction, et cetera, et cetera. So he wanted to go off on his own. You you can't you can't get mad at the guy for for making that decision. But then it just kind of seems like like thing after thing was happening, and he wasn't in cars that you know, mirror the Red Bull. He wasn't like, hold on, I'm looking for the word. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He wasn't able to be a part maybe of the development of the car the way he maybe was with Red Bull. And so there's something that wasn't clicking that was like taking him away from that. And you could tell it was like a gradual decline, I think, in his in his interest, maybe in, in Formula One. And I think he liked he liked the races. He liked, you know, the events. He liked all that. But you could see that there was a clear disconnect, especially last year. And so, yeah, to your point, I maybe that's that's what he needed to clear his mind. Maybe he's going to be back. But I don't know. I don't know. I guess, like I said, there's there's two sides of the equation. People saying that if he doesn't perform well, this could be the last we see of Daniel Ricciardo on the grid. And if he performs really well, he could be in that second spot for Red Bull next year. I mean. It, we're kind of in a in a in a case of extremes here, in, you know, in the F one world and what people are saying. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's all we can say. It it's definitely a fun story to follow, and I think the other fun story to follow or interesting, most interesting story to follow is uh, the eleventh team and who will be the potential eleventh or twelfth, eleventh and twelfth team joining. Um, formula one there is there's a lot of conversation right now because formula one has to make their decision or or maybe probably already has made their decision on which entry they want to select and there was there was a there's a handful of, of entries that uh came about there was obviously the andretti which everybody thought was the front runner everybody a lot of folks thought was the front runner. Then there's high tech, Carlin, uh, Carlin Formula Equal actually, and Lucky Sons. And uh, those are the, the the teams that applied. And those are apparently the teams that are having their you know the being assessed. All the do they meet the criteria, which I don't think anybody knows what the criteria is except for the actual people making the decision. Yeah. Do we want these people in F1? Uh, Andretti is now 
uh, talking, Michael Andretti has been talking and saying how he regrets the comments that they made early on, they being him and his dad, uh, Formula One legend, IndyCar legend, uh, Mario Andretti. And, th- th- you know, they're, they're backtracking. They're, they're nervous. Straight up, they're nervous. They're worried about, well, the decision's coming. Did we screw this up by talking shit about F1 and the FIA and Liberty Media, which they kind of did early on. I mean, they were really the ones that were super vocal about what was going down and that they weren't able to get selected and that it's a good old boys game or whatever. And now suddenly they're, I don't want to say backtracking, but he might as well just be, he's backtracking a lot of those comments and just, I wish we weren't as vocal to start with. I wish we had kind of chilled out. So is that an indicator that maybe they're being, they, they are getting, you know, selected and they wish they weren't, didn't look so dumb uh, by making all the comments they did? Or is it shit? We're scared. What if we don't get yeah. this? And they're trying to like, save face as much as they can uh i hope it's because they get selected and they just feel like we shouldn't talk so much shit because obviously i would love to see andretti back but uh yeah i mean other than that i think total wolf made a comment you said you said total made a comment too right uh toto said that um he told prospective expansion teams that if they wanted to join formula one they should just in quotes buy a team (laughs) Well, Toto should fix his damn car. (laughs) Oh, that will never get old. Um, Yeah, well, Andretti said they reached out to every team and nobody wants to sell. He said, you go there and they're not even interested in talking. No. I mean, why would you? Look at the prices. Look at the the value. I mean, look at – we talked about this a couple weeks ago with Alpine and, you know, how their valuation is over a billion – or close to a billion, whatever, uh, after the Ryan Reynolds investment. And you start to think like, are, is anyone ever going to sell? Right. I mean, right. Currently, right. Like why, if, if things are just going up, are you, do you even have that opportunity at this point? So if you are an Andretti or if you're any perspective at any point, not just right this second, but if you ever want to do this, do you even really have an in? I think that generates such a premium on partnerships and title sponsors. Like this is generating such massive demand for Formula One that like it's only a good thing. And I think adding a team is a good thing, but I also believe that Hey, the only option is for you to buy into a team or, or not buy into. The only option is for you to start a new team which costs a lot of money. Your other option is to buy a team. Oh, and and by the way, we're not going to let you expand, right? We're not going to do an expansion. We might every so often, right? But it's not going to grow more than 11 or 12 teams, let's yeah. just say. So once there's 11 or 12 on the grid, then there's really no shot. And if no one wants to sell, then it's like, well, how do you get involved in this thing? You literally have no options. Yeah. So the value and the, and the premium that I think this place is on, on the sport is 
uh, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Uh, they know what they're doing, right? Like we know they know how to build value into this this entity. Um, yeah. Well, one thing. Yeah. So that, that's that's one my thing Andretti there. also said. I mean, we know he didn't make any friends. He didn't, you know, get any favors from people on the things he was saying, but uh, by saying that they were acting out of self interest, essentially. But he said that um, it would have been different with Bernie. Liberty gives teams too much say. And you mm. do have to ask yourselves, is is he right? And also, on the flip side of that argument, do the teams have the right to have as much say as they do, given how much uh, even their what those teams have done, their drivers, et cetera, how much they have blown up the sport globally? And I mean, would F1 be what it was, what it is today if drivers weren't allowed to market themselves the way they are now? I think that. Mm. Yeah, oh, I no, I, I think Go that ahead, Bernie's rules obviously made they were kind of suppressive when it came to um, um, what drivers and teams were allowed to do, and so the valuation potential wasn't fully there. So now it is. So yeah, I I wonder like yeah, Liberty gives teams too much say, but you know, more than Bernie Ecclestone did, but the rules are completely different too. Yeah, I don't see, I'm not sure how much I agree with that. Um, the team, like the team should have but a yeah, lot that's of what say, I'm, That's what right? I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, I'm just, I'm disagreeing with, with, oh, with, with Andretti. Yeah. Bernie, not you. Yeah. Yeah. Not you. Um, you know, the team should have a say. Uh, do I think it's a little bit, I don't want to say backwards, but is it a little bit kind of like, well, obviously, if I'm an owner and I'm making billions of dollars, of course, I don't want a new team to come in because uh, it's going to cut away from my money and my profits. Like, all right, obviously. But I think to a, you know, a deeper point of that, it's like, there's enough voices in the room to say, hey, Toto, let's use Toto as an example, or hey, Christian, or hey, anybody else, Lawrence, It's it, this is beneficial for us to do, right? I, I don't th- I don't know if, that it's a democracy in that room and they're sitting there going, everybody has a say and they're all going to, we're all going to come to an agreement. I'm sure there's certain voices that, you know, are weighed heavier than others, but with only 10 of these entities, like you would think that they're pretty, like they're pretty powerful in their own right. Just to be at that table. It's like, but I, I can't imagine Gene Haas and Toto Wolf being, (laughs) having the same level of say in, in, you know, in something. So, but I do think the teams should, you know, um, be able to i don't want to say dictate it's not the right word but i think the team should be able to you know have more influence than because the lead listen the series doesn't exist without your teams i i i believe that right your fans don't exist without drivers 
or drivers, I guess, I don't want to say drivers don't exist without fans, but you know, you need the fans to power the sport to make money. So who are they following? You know, most fans follow either a, a, a driver or a team. You're not just like, go F1, right? Most people, most people aren't just yay sports, right? They are go Lewis, go Max, Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, like you have to have that attachment. Like I don't have F1 flag in my office right now next to me. I have a Ferrari flag hanging here. I have Ferrari, you know, drivers. I have Leclerc and signs and I have Ferrari diecast model cars. I don't have F1, like an F1, you know, if, if it was an F1 car and it had no Ferrari branding on it, I, I would have zero interest in putting it anywhere. Right. Like it's just, that's reality. So, I, yes, teams are powerful. Teams should be recognized as extremely important and integral to the growth, which is why I think that there should be another team allowed. I don't agree with, you know, the total wolf of the world and, and whatnot who think that, you know, oh, 10's enough or Christian, oh, 10's enough. Oh, well, we don't have room for a there's, – there's physically no room at these tracks for another one. Oh, no, but you made, you made enough room for a, a fake – team for a movie right like yeah. come on guys um yeah well yeah. i mean All right. I'll, it I'll, also I'll seems like domenicali and ben Salayam have softened their tone significantly on that too i mean mm. recently they've they made a comment about um how we're working with uh, i think ben Salayam made the comment we're working with formula one um it's important to um uh, go over due diligence um you know, in these applications processes and perhaps we know it was also delayed too. Wasn't, wasn't, weren't they supposed to make their decision in June or their announcement in June? Yeah. It was supposed, it was supposed to come out. Then yeah. it didn't. Then it was like, so, so yeah, there was a kind whole, of whole makes of... you think that because it was delayed and because now you're starting to see brass softening on their initial hard line, um, uh, not stances, but opinions um, mm. that maybe perhaps there could be an expansion happening. Who those teams are, who knows? But the fact that, yeah, to your earlier point that Andretti is starting to kind of also soften his tone and, you know, seem like more of a, a team player, a family guy, if you will, um, that maybe that's him Maybe he knows something that we don't know, and maybe maybe he doesn't know anything, and he's just trying to make himself look better. Um, but you know, bottom yeah. line is Andretti is royalty when it comes to motorsports in America, and it's if F one is going to continue this expansion in America, then I think that makes perfect sense because I mean, let's call it what it is. Haas hasn't exactly carried the torch in America the way uh, the way people maybe had hoped they would have. And so maybe they they are looking for an American team that people can be as as ferocious about as you know the Italians are with Ferrari, and so I think maybe that could be their their saving grace angle. But then again, you have so many people internationally who are saying that the Americans are destroying the sport. So you know, there's also the flip side of that argument too. Yeah, it, to your point about uh, Andretti as well. I think Andretti's already involved yeah. in other motorsports. So, and and this goes with 
you know, with back to that team, you know, having a passion for a team, people that follow Andretti are pretty adamant about being Andretti fans. Well, what are they very likely to do if Andretti has now has an entry into this other sport that they maybe haven't been watching because they watch IndyCar? Well, they're probably going to now watch Formula One. And Formula One should know, you know, that the American audience is still dominated by NASCAR, dominated by NASCAR. Now, NASCAR ran a street race in Chicago and got 4.7 million view- viewers for that race. Um, right now, Formula One is getting nowhere near that number for its yeah. F1 races here in America. So having a team like Andretti that already has a built-in fan base, and that fan base, I can just see it now, them jumping on board and saying, oh, wow, you know, absolutely i'm i'm gonna check this out this is an andretti entry hell yeah i'm i'm team andretti right like i'm going well, i'm all in on andretti Motors too so yeah oh well yeah. it's all america i mean it's 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 american i mean yes andretti is italian but he is very you know he is he is he's an italian american <laughs> at this point yeah. he's american um it's yeah it, well mario andretti is is italian uh i know michael was born yeah. here so anyway yeah it's um it it, it I, I can't see like i'm going to go out on this and say it i cannot see formula 1 selecting a new team and it not being andretti i just can't man i can't see that happening and if that happens i would just i'd be yeah. shocked i'd really be shocked if they did not pick a team that could kind of jump in and give them almost an instant boost in in a market they're going after, I, I just I don't know. Well, I yeah, can't and see it. we talk all the time about how money tends to um, rule the conversations in F one and the decisions that are made in F one, and rightfully so. And so, when you think about the commercial interests that Andretti would bring. To Formula One, it, mm-hmm. I mean, like you just said, it is a built in package, absolutely built in oh, on yeah. day one. And, you know, people keep having this, this discussion of it did F1 peak, has F1 peaked? When is F1 going to peak? When are <laughs> they going to start losing fans because yeah. the sport is becoming so damn predictable? Well, this would be their opportunity yeah. to say, hell no, we haven't peaked yet. We've just started. Yeah, we've only so, just begun. Yep. You know, again, for just the commercial interest alone, there is no other team that has applied that makes more sense than Andretti's. I hope I hope mm-hmm. we have some good news on that. Um you never know it is it is F1. <laughs> we never know what's going to happen. Our fine I know that the last thing we wanted to talk about today was this grand slam idea that uh like Stefano Domenicali was had oh. proposed and um it's it, it's yeah. interesting. Um, I guess it's it is what it is. It's uh six sprints. They're gonna announce in yep. September apparently. 
Mm-hmm. So he said, there is a proposal that I would like to make in line with the concept of the Grand Slam. It is that drivers who take the two poles and the two race wins over the weekend should be recognized with something extra. Okay, my immediate thoughts on that are, what should that extra be? Because if they're given more points, then doesn't mm. the driver have to pay more to the FIA? So I like the idea in theory, but also I think it kind of, <laughs> kind of at the same time is like, kind of a, a maybe a backhanded, if you will, um, recognition. So I, I would be curious to see what that something extra would be. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're like, oh, something extra is is like, okay, well, what exactly do you want to do for this? Like, are they going to get a green jacket Ooh. or something? Like, is it going to be like the mask? Yes, that'd just, be great. I, I kind of, I, well, I kind of poke fun at that because I, you know, I've had the idea and, and, I would love for somebody to pick pick this up in F1 and say, wow, that's that's an awesome idea. But I've had this idea of, you know, where certain races are kind of like the majors of F1, right? Like we have the majors in tennis. You have your tennis. I mean, they're not major. I don't think they're called majors in tennis, but in, in golf, they're called majors, right? You have your masters, you have your US Open, British Open, PGA Championship, and they are, you know, more they're those are the the, the tournaments you want to win if if you're a golfer, right? Like I winning the Masters, winning the British Open is is massive. Like that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, it's it, I don't want to say it's no different than any other tournament, but it it's it's another it's a golf tournament, but the history, the prestige, the past winners all of that add up to it being like a bigger deal right and there's certain races in f1 that kind of do the same thing that have the prestige that have been around for a long time the winners of the event you know kind of carry this larger than life uh um, aura right about them for winning certain these races and like that's where i think they could do something right having uh, some sort of these races are i don't know if they're worth more points or they are like i i don't know what how you would do it um but to me that's kind of a missing opportunity what that they've that they've kind of totally what races on. would you propose <laughs> Silverstone, Monza, Monaco, but I, well, I don't truly believe Monaco. I like I I think Monaco because of its history, but I think you have to figure out another yeah. way to make Monaco happen. I think Monaco does deserve there for its prestige and its history. But um, way. But it's got to be you got either figure something out, you know, like I don't know. I don't know what the answer okay, is. Okay, how about you put one, but definitely F- Monza, F1 definitely. drivers in boats and make a, a boat circuit? <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. That's uh, that, They'd have more room. Yeah, I that's think, not going to happen. Maybe. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But Silverstone, S- Silverstone and Monza for sure. Uh, I think you could do a race like Brazil. Mm, yeah. I think, I think I love the track. And even Suzuka or, you know, uh, Japan. But 
I, I'm just thinking back to certain races. I mean, I would put Austin and Singapore in there. Yeah. I don't think I would. I think I would stick to four. But I don't know if I would have an American race on there. And not because I'm trying to like poo poo the American race. I think Coda's great. I just, it, the prestige isn't there yet. And that's not a shot on Coda. That's just the fact that it's only been around since like what, yeah. 2012. I think, I mean, personally, I think you're better off doing, if you're going to do an American one, that's where you do, if you wanted, if you absolutely needed to do an American uh, race in this Grand Slam, or I say American, U.S., because America, technically Brazil would be at South American. Um, I think I think you do something crazy at like a Watkins Glen in Indianapolis, right? But that's not yeah. going to happen. That's adding a different race. If we just talk about the races that we currently have, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That would be fun. That would be a fun way to look at it. Or I don't even know. I mean, breaking down the season into different regions would be kind of interesting as well. So like you have your America's races and there's like an America's cup, uh, Euro cup. I mean, now I'm starting to sound like, like football, right? Like soccer. Um, but I don't know. They're, they're like NASCAR did something interesting when they in, and, and I don't know if I love this or hate this, but they did something interesting with their races when they introduced stages within the races. So there's like stage one, stage two, stage three. So the race will literally come to a caution, like a yellow flag, at when stage one is over, and whoever's leading, and it's you know it's a certain lap that it comes on to, and I, I don't know. I don't know the specific specifics of how it works, but like, so when stage one ends, whoever's winning the race at that point gets certain points towards mm -hmm. the championship. Same thing with stage two of the race. And then, and then obviously then you have your winner at the end of stage three. Um, I think, you know, something like that is, is I'm not suggesting it for a formula one necessarily. The races are shorter in terms of laps, but it is it is kind of a cool way to say keep people engaged. It's not really like ruining the race. Like it's not ruining race. I don't think it ruins the race at all. It adds just a different dynamic. But it also gets the drivers saying, "I have to I have to actually race all race long." Like that middle stint of the race where it kind of gets a little bit like, "Ah, just we're just grooving. There's not much happening. You know, we're just gonna wait until the next tire change." to you know for something to happen or the next you know tire um the next pit stop to finally make a move so you kind of just get into this groove in the middle of the race um yeah so i again i don't know if i i know we kind of talked about two different ideas there but domenicali is talking about this grand slam for the weekend you know is that really is that a, a thing I don't. Is it a thing yeah, that people I don't care think it's about? A thing people like, care about. I think. Great, you won the sprint race and you won the yeah, real race, and you got double poles. Cool. Congratulations! Like, what? Like, I, okay. My thoughts on that again. Always come back to the cap. If they're going to raise stakes mm -hmm. on sprint races, which team principals have already yep. said, um, 
their concerns are damage to the car, et cetera, et cetera, um, are they going to raise the cap? You have to assume that that is going to mm-hmm. force drivers to get ballsier. And yet they're told, watch the cars because of the cap. So do we want racing or do we want to stick within the budget? You know, that is F1's evergreen dilemma, it seems. And I, I, six sprint races, that's a lot on a car. That's a yeah. lot on a team. So mm-hmm. again, that doesn't, that doesn't work with the cap. So either they have to increase the cap and they've been decreasing it the last couple of years. Are they going to have to increase it if this is a new thing that they want to implement and how, by how much? Um, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. Or are sprint weekends like uncapped? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, knowing that you're, you're basically asking now, depending on what this something extra is, you're basically asking drivers to go out of their comfort zones completely at the detriment of the car. And mm-hmm. once again, you know, we talk about this back in the day, we loved F1 pre-cap because you saw drivers pushing each other to their absolute breaking points. And now you don't really, you don't see that as much. And it's. I, don't, I mean, I don't think, I don't, I, yeah, I don't want to say you can't, but really, like you said, when it comes down to cap, you're just at a point where. Yeah. Hey, can I push this car to its absolute limit if, you know, I spin off and cost my team. Millions of dollars. You know, $2 million yeah. for a new chassis or something. Like, is that really, is it worth it? You know, if I'm fighting for the back at this point of the race or, you know, how discouraging is it if like if Max is just constantly at the front and you're, hey, I have an opportunity anyway. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, no, I think you, I mean, you definitely have a, it's, it's a solid point. It's something to think about, right? There's so much. It's like we talk out of both sides of our mouth sometimes. And, I, and by we, I mean, uh, you know, F1, FIA, Domenicali, like all these people. It's how are you saying you want to do all this stuff, but you also want to cap and you also don't want to allow other teams in, right? Like, I think by adding another team, it keeps things more interesting because, listen, you're always going to have a team who just craps out during a weekend, right? Who just has a terrible weekend, can't get it together. But if you have more options, right? More teams on the grid, it gives you more options to have I ideally in a perfect world. And I understand this doesn't work exactly the way I'm saying it, but it should ideally give you more opportunity to see more racing and more competition. Um, it's very rare for us not to have an incident, right? Like we, like earlier in the season, there was a couple of races with no incidents, no flat, no yellow flags, no safety cars, like nothing, right? Like that's so, that's not yeah. normal. Um, yeah. But again, cap, all this other stuff you want to talk about. Guys, why are we talking about both, out of both sides of our mouth here? We're either here for the cap or we're here for good racing like which one is it because if you're just fighting for a cap then you really need to say forget these sprint yeah. situations preserve the cars right why are we adding more right yeah. why are I mean, we and adding that could more? potentially be millions of dollars in development that they could have put in the car that they're now having to spend on on say damages to a sprint because race. of a sprint race like it just 
it, yep. it makes no sense for the spirit of actually what it is to be a constructor. It, it contradicts that. And I think that's kind of what we get back to every week about, you know, this cap debate that we could, or not even debate. It's a conversation that we keep having, um, why it's detrimental to the sport. It is detrimental to the spirit of being a constructor. And I think that that is something F1, they want to keep adding all this shit to the calendar. They want to, you know, we want 25 races. We want 26. We're it's, they keep talking about addition, 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 and yet they're not talking about additions to the budget. And that, that's a problem. Well, it's also, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and to me, I also think it turns into, it's not, it's yeah. not quality, right? It's not, it, it turn, it's turning into a game of just quantity. Like, let's just add more races. Let's just add, you know, more whatever this like this grand slam thing is let's just add another um what's it called uh, let's just add like another accolade or you know whatever that yeah. no one cares about like no one gives a crap about none i don't think anyone cares about um well i mean you even look at the trophy presentation at the british grand prix it's like they just wanted a party it's kind of like Max was saying, yeah. yeah, whatever. It's another trophy. I don't care. I just want to celebrate. It's fine. You know, my, my friend Lando just did something great. Lewis is excited. It's let's celebrate. They didn't, they, they did not care about that trophy presentation. And I think no, that in itself should tell both the FIA and F1 all they need to know about what the drivers think about all this extra shit they're trying to add to the sport. Mm. They don't care anymore. How many – I was like the uh, – I was just going to go say, ahead, go ahead. like, how much bigger of trophy cabinets do they need these teams and these drivers to have? That's basically what this is now. Well, remember the uh, the most overtakes award that they did? I think it was last – I is it last year they implemented it? Maybe it was two years ago at this point. I don't even – I can't remember exactly how long they actually had it for, but – I don't know if maybe I'm just not paying attention or I just haven't seen it, but like I haven't, I haven't noticed it focused on this year yeah. as much. Maybe it has, you know, it could very well be, but like, oh, most overtakes gets a trophy, like the most over, yeah, great, cool. I mean, it's a, it almost feels like let's just award backmarker teams that are, yeah, you could do a lot more passing when you start in the middle or when you start in the back, yeah. right? Like, I don't. I was it Vettel that got it the first year they did it? And it was like in the Aston Martin that wasn't even that great. Like the car kind of sucked anyway. So he ends up getting this award that he couldn't yeah. care less about. And I don't know. Like, what are we doing? We're giving trophies to everybody. Like, this is the pinnacle of motorsport. You want to give trophies to everybody? You want to, you want to get everybody involved? Like, sorry. If you yeah. suck, you suck, right? And that goes for my beloved ferrari as well sorry if you can't win you can't win like it, that sucks but isn't i mean this is supposed to be the pinnacle it's supposed yeah. to be the highest form of this like you said it goes kind of against what being a constructor is all about yeah. um i mean look if you know we're focusing more yeah. on these games than we are the actual racing and building yeah. of a good car or a, i mean if know, they awesome want to say fuck it let's switch to stock cars we're we're all going to give you a base it's car and uh, you yeah. know 130 million dollar budget uh, th deal with it you know figure out how you will but that's not what this is and it's like 
like, do we yeah. want better cars? Do we want better racing? Do or do we want more sideshows? Because I think the sideshows are a distraction to the fact that they know the racing sucks now. It, it, you know, that's kind of a yeah. brutal way to put it, but that is that's that's a, that's the truth. No, you're right. I mean, this is. I always believed and I always was taught growing up that you focus on and I came from a very entrepreneurial family, right? Like they they meaning like my dad who's an entrepreneur, my my uncle who's an entrepreneur, they always believed that when you were busiest, you know, when you're when business was booming, that's when you focus on um, you focus on the things you you did that work, right? And that's when you really like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna keep making this better. But I feel like with F one, it's like, all right, business is booming, and instead of doing what worked to get them here, they're just like adding. They're just like, yeah, let's just keep doing different stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, but something like you got all this success from what? What is like what got you here? And Yes, it was a lot of like the media blitz, the marketing thing, the drive to survive. But it was also, I mean, it was somewhat decent racing, right? Like 2021 was what so many people got a chance to see and experience. And that is what got yeah. people hooked. Well, that's that's the focus you need, right? That hook was an in, the incredible season, the incredible finish. How do you replicate that? It seems like everything they're doing now is just like taking away from getting us to better racing. And it's just like you said, yeah. sideshows. And that's what I get a little, that's what I get concerned about. But the, the I, I guess the regulations are, are supposed to be working and maybe they will. Like maybe if you just take Red Bull out <laughs> of it, it actually is yeah. working, which is fascinating also um but yeah i, I don't know yeah, i really don't know i think only time will tell because it seems like there's no continuity they just kind of do things mm. like without any yeah. rhyme or rhythm it's just how they feel that day so i don't know maybe eventually things will start to click to the higher ups what they need to do, what they should actually do. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're happy to uh, happy to help you guys <laughs> in strategizing your next move. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like we said, this isn't working. So it uh, it'll be interesting to continue commentating on this stuff and and finding out you know what the actual play is. I think we'll we'll start figuring yeah, out little by hopefully. little, but. Um, yeah, that's another week down here at the VF1 show. I'm glad you guys listened and tuned in. Feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a review on your favorite podcast player. Um, and if you have anything you want to ask it's, uh, around the show, a topic maybe you want us to cover, uh, feel free to tweet at us at the VF Castro and at Vincenzo Landino on Twitter. That's where we focus a lot of our time. And we definitely try to respond. So uh, we'll respond to you there or we'll just add it to the show and then uh, we'll tweet the segment out to you. But 
Ratings and reviews help us get into the ear holes of more listeners, and uh, more listeners helps us keep going and keep creating great content for you all. Any final words, V? Go sports. <laughs> Yay, sports. Yay, sports. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the VF1 show. If you liked it, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And for previews of next week's show, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the VF Castro and Vincenzo Landino.